0: Okay, well, we are um, going to be getting into uh, next week, starting uh, in full, the uh, series called Tuned In, uh, which is how you can be led by the Spirit of God, which I'm pretty excited about. And uh, But we have to do some preliminary, or we don't have to, but it would be very helpful for us to do some preliminary uh, look at... Um, the makeup of man and how we're made up. So this is really uh, technically part of that series, but um, it's uh, kind of like introductory, introductory part, a foundation that we really need to lay in order to be able to accurately and more fully get a good picture of uh, being led by the Spirit of God and following what the Spirit of God is saying uh, to each of us, and even what He says. Um, uh, in many different ways, the way he speaks. Yeah. So let's look at our um, scripture text that we're going to use for this series. and uh, let's start with Romans chapter eight, uh, verse fourteen and verse sixteen, Romans eight, verse fourteen and sixteen. I'm going to read uh, out of the King uh, excuse me, New King James. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And then verse 16, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. Next scripture is Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. Proverbs 20, verse 27. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward depths of his heart. Or as the King James says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. And um, then back in Romans, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I really like how New King James renders that. Uh, I think King James calls it uh, the Spirit itself. It's actually himself, if you look in the margin in the original Greek. Um, It's good to have a personal relationship with the Spirit of God uh, because the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not um, some mystical substance floating around in the universe (laughs) that comes to start floating around inside of you or me once we receive Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is actually a person. Jesus is a person. God's a person. The Holy Spirit's a person. And uh, we're not going to study the uh, Trinity this morning. But it's important for us to know and to understand that the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. And the Holy Spirit is not um, an atmosphere. And the Holy Spirit is not uh, an object. The Holy Spirit is a person. So the Bible actually talks that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Um, The Holy Spirit must be the most humble person that you would ever meet (laughs) besides Jesus Christ and God the Father because the Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus tells us in John, never speaks of himself. He only speaks what he hears. And, uh, you know, I think that's a great... Uh, goal for all of us to attain to (laughs) that we don't speak of ourselves especially when we're talking to people about Jesus Christ but do we actually speak what we hear well in order to hear we have to uh, get tuned in to God and to the presence of God and uh, we want to uh, follow God in all that we do and in in Romans it says um, as many as are led by the Spirit of God these are the sons of God so really the sons of God The daughters of God should expect and can expect to be led by the Spirit of God. So if you are born again, uh, whether you realize it or not, you're a child of God. God is your father. You're not just, you know, in the Old Covenant, the Israelites were servants of God. And when you become born again, you actually are adopted into the family of God. Jesus actually was the firstborn of a whole new species or type of A race of, not a race, but a a species of beings. And uh, uh, we're made in the likeness and the image of God. So uh, we can expect to be led by the Spirit of God. And yet um, we can look at our lives many times and say, like, you know, I I didn't, I know I didn't follow God in that. I I missed it in that. Uh, I wish I'd paid more attention to what the Lord said in that. And We don't always want it to be in hindsight that we look back and think like, oh, you know, I can really see how God was leading in that situation and uh, uh, maybe have some regrets or, you know, many times, I know Dad Hagen even said, some of the greatest leadings from the Lord that I ever had were unconscious leadings. In other words, I was following the Spirit of God and I wasn't at the moment conscious of the fact that I was following Him. Thank God for His grace. And then he puts us in such a place um, where we can do that. You know, Paul talks about, you know, in Corinthians, that you should I should be able to feed you with meat, but I can't because you're not able to handle it. You choke on it. I have to give you milk. And um, I love the heart of God that's in that statement that, you know, maybe we should or I should or you should be at a place where we're like having this meat and understanding all of these different things. Uh, But the Lord doesn't say like, you know what? By the 12th grade, you're supposed to know this. If you don't know it, I'm expelling you from school. <laughs> he says, no, I'm going to take you to the grade level where you can actually digest so that you can grow from there. I just want you to know that I'm expecting a little more. <laughs> <laughs> but the Lord is so, uh, is so gracious with us. So um, we can and should expect to be led by God's Spirit. Yeah. And God's Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Not a human person, but a divine person. And um, a divine personality as well, but a divine person. And so um, when we look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and you can either write these down or turn if you'd like, but Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder, or dividing in two the soul and spirit, the joints and marrow. One of my favorite scriptures, because uh, if you're having difficulty uh, discerning, is this God, Um, you know, what should I be doing? And I like to talk to people, especially that are not married, and uh, maybe they all of a sudden have a romantic interest that shows up, and they're like, I don't know, is this the Lord? Is this not the Lord? Well, some things you can just look at the Bible and say, like, that's not the Lord. You know, if they're not a Christian and you're a Christian, the Bible says pretty clearly to be equally yoked, not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, therefore to be equally yoked with believers. Well, so that's a pretty easy um, answer to give. It may not be easy for people to receive because they have gotten, um, uh, I wanted to say chemically involved, you know, chemistry, you know, they got something (laughs) going on, like, oh, but I feel this way. Um, But then you come to people that are born again, And uh, they are interested in someone else that's born again, but they're not really sure, like, you know, what about the status of this relationship? And uh, I always tell them, you need to uh, get in the Word and pray in tongues, both. Uh, Because uh, when you pray in tongues, it actually bypasses your mental abilities and your mental thoughts. And you don't want to as much as your flesh wants to, and your emotions want to, and your mind may even reason it out and want to, you really don't want to um, uh, get the Lord uh, to say, "Okay, you can accept second best," right? And you think, "Well, like, could a man change the mind of the Lord?" Well, of course, of course, you can. Like, if you look in Samuel, I was just reading a couple weeks ago, and um, I think it's First Samuel, and Israel had a judge, but they started looking at all of the other kingdoms around, and they all had kings. And uh, they said, well, we want a king. And so Samuel actually took it as an insult. He's like, what what do you mean? Because he was the prophet in the land. So he was kind of like giving the words from the Lord and uh, working with the ruling and stuff. And um, he went to the Lord about it. And uh, you know, he didn't get upset at the people, but he was like upset. And so he said, Lord, what is this? He might have been upset at the people. What I mean is he didn't take it out on the people. He immediately took what he felt was coming against him and took it to the Lord in prayer. And the Lord said, Samuel, don't be upset. It's not you that they're rejecting. It's actually me. And I think, you know, when we tell people about Jesus and whether they're not born again or they are born again, and we really have something stirring in our hearts that the Lord has put on our hearts to sow into somebody's life, you know, if we're not careful, we can feel like they're rejecting us, right? Well, they, many times, uh, if you're really speaking from the Lord, they're rejecting what the Lord's saying. They're not rejecting what you're saying. And thank God the Lord will not force you or me to believe anything or to do anything or to be anything because that's how we can actually legitimately love him uh, because God does not control or force. He gives, like, a gentle nudge and a prompting and, a, you know... We'll get into it in the series, but, uh, you know, Paul said, it seemed to me and the Holy Ghost. Uh, Many times you'll look at the leading of the Lord, you know, the primary way, I'll I'll jump ahead just real quick, but of course the (laughs) primary way that the Lord leads is through the inward witness. And so we want to have like this flashing sign that we're driving by the road, this flashing saying, turn right now, turn right now. Because right? we're so accustomed to interacting with the world through uh, our senses. Yeah. And, uh, and I should have looked that up before this, but I don't remember exactly what it said. But I was uh, reading another article a few weeks ago. And they were talking about if you have someone that uh, is uh, diseased, or I don't know what you would call it, but they don't have access to their five senses that their mind actually never develops. So the way that your mind and my mind actually develop, uh, naturally speaking, is through the five senses because we're constantly getting fed information through those senses. So you have to not be hard on yourself or not hard on your pastor or your friends because, like, since you were born, you started interacting with the senses, you know, I smell food, so I feel hungry. And, um, you know, I see this, so that must be the way it is. So we realize real quickly that we have to renew our minds with the Word of God, and that will actually completely transform us. Romans 12 tells us, uh, like metamorphosized, like a butterfly into a, uh, excuse me, a cocoon into a butterfly, so that you're completely changed. And so the Word of God has that much power to completely transform you So if you are somebody like my wife that likes to take personality tests and then uh, you happen to see or you're married to someone like my wife and you see all these faults in your personality and you get all hung up, you want to get hung up on the faults in your personality, really you can go to the Word of God. And if you go to the Word of God humbly and receive what God has to say, let the Holy Spirit change you. You can be transformed into a whole other person so that then when they want you to take that personality test, how many times a year, as you keep going, (laughs) you find out like, well, did my personality change? What's going on with that? And you're trying to figure out like, what's going on? Well, the spirit of God is influencing you and the word of God is changing you so much that you look and you can know like, I took that test and that's what I said on that test, but I don't even feel like, I don't see that or feel that at all anymore. What happened? Uh, Well, you're being Transformed by the word of God so much so that you don't even recognize who you used to be. And that is good news when you look at the negatives on the personality test. (laughs) I used to... It's kind of funny because my wife does like to take personality tests and she's always coming up with new ones. Well, come to find out, her personality likes to take personality tests. And we found out that my personality doesn't like to take personality tests. Uh, And so... um, If you can't, you cannot be a a pastor, the Bible says, and uh, she's saying that I'm growing or something. Yeah, because I do like taking more now. Uh, But you can't, the Bible actually says that you can't be a good pastor without managing your own house well. And so, you know, I think it's great to have uh, a wife and kids because uh, if you think that you have it going on and you know what you're doing, you just got to get married and have children to find out that uh, there's a lot you don't know, (laughs) and that you have to rely upon God. (laughs) So uh, families are a great blessing, and, um, you know, when I went to Bible school, of course, I was single, and so I had several single friends, and um, one of the things, uh, actually, this is before Bible school, actually, when I was in in Georgia, and... um, One of the things that I started noticing was um, the singles, if we weren't careful, got very self-centered. Because what happened is, uh, I realized this because I was doing this. (laughs) That's why I know about it. Uh, I would go to bed when I wanted to go to bed. And I would get up when I wanted to get up. And if I wanted to go to the coffee event, I would go to the coffee event. If I didn't want to go to the coffee, like I had really no, not to consult anybody, except for me, about what decisions I wanted to do. And I had, uh, I had actually noticed a friend of mine who was uh, single for much longer than I was. And um, I noticed that I thought, man, why are they like so, like just all about themselves? And all of a sudden, then I started to, that thought came up and I started looking. I'm like, oh my goodness it could be like the most dangerous thing in the world if you don't pay attention because you can do whatever you want to do. Well, you know, when you get married, then you have like another person. And then if you want to like exponentially increase that, you have like your children. And then, you know, I'm, I'm you know, middle-aged now. And so you start to think, well, you know, like I said before, I, I like, I love the wisdom that more mature people bring And so I've always loved to talk with them. And I I try to do my best to listen and learn from their mistakes rather than having to do it myself. So uh, I don't think this anymore, but uh, I used to think, well, it'll be great. Like the kids, when they leave home, you got the grandkids, everything like that. And I have found that everybody I talk to that their kids have left home and now they have the grandkids, they are like are sometimes more involved in their kids' lives than what they were when their kids were at home. Because like the kids are like, well, this and this, and can you do this? Can can you watch the kids? Can I send my grandkids over there? And so, um, you know, the thing is, we're talking about planting seeds. When you like plant seeds of a family, like those seeds produce a harvest. And um, thank God, your family isn't just there for a moment. I saw my daughter yesterday, and she started, I don't know what, what, uh, why it came up, but she started talking about um, death and dying, not in a despairing sort of way, but she was, she's like, Daddy, I want to be, can we be buried at the same place, you know? And like the, it's like a family place, this or whatever. And I was like, well, yeah, but that's like a long way off, you know? And um, so she's talking about all this, but I said to her, I said, you know what's really awesome? I said, when you are born again... Daddy's born again, and my daughter's a Christian, actually filled with the Holy Ghost. And um, I said, we'll get to be together forever. And so it's great. You start a family, and then you're, you know, your family is born again. And uh, it's not only in this little glimpse of this life, but for eternity, you get to be together. And not only that, but uh, I've got some really good friends. And I know, like... Uh, Jeremy's a really good friend of mine, he's here, but I've got a lot of other really good friends that are not here, and family that are not here in the D.C. area, so I don't get to see them that much, but I know, like, uh, the Bible says, this is just like a fleeting mist that appears for a while, and the sun comes, and it's, it's gone, so I know, like, for eternity, every person that gets born again, you know, I get to spend eternity with them, and God knows that same thing, And that's why in the beginning God created man and woman, Adam and Eve, for relationship. And uh, really relationship is the one thing that we can take with us when we die is our relationships. And so uh, we want to not only develop relationships with people that uh, we're close to, but people that we don't even know yet because they don't know Jesus and they need to know Jesus. And, you know, uh, blessed is the one that brings many souls uh, into heaven. So Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is the thing that can penetrate between soul and spirit. And many times we get into family situations, whether it's, uh, I talked about like a romantic type of situation, but you can just have family situations that are challenging and difficult or close friendships. So many times you get something that's close and near and dear to your heart, and it, it feels like, man, it's really hard to hear from God in this situation because you've got all these voices, emotional voices that are speaking into you, and um, you want to be able to penetrate through those. And the way to do that, to get to the core of who you are, to divide your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, from your spirit is with the Word of God. So the Word of God allows us to like go right through all of that. And while you're doing that with the Word of God, it does not feel like that, okay? So it doesn't feel like you know, this is changing your emotions and stuff like that. But that's why we esteem the word of God first and we look to the word first and then we let the emotions be what they are. We follow the, the still small voice in our hearts. And then uh, John four twenty four says, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And, uh, you know, we learn in Genesis that we're made in the likeness and the image of God. So we know that when we're created, Uh, excuse me, recreated, uh, that we are a spirit when we're born again. Let's look at John, uh, was it John chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. Praise the Lord. I'm using my other Bible this week. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So like Jesus is, you know, when he says most assuredly, he's saying like, pay attention. This is the way it is. Uh, You know, I'm telling you the the, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. (laughs) So it's like this is a statement that you can bank on, not that you can't bank on any of his other stuff, but he's emphasizing this. Like, I want you to pay extra close attention. Unless a man is born again, or as the margin says, born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, again, he's saying, like, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Of course, born of the water is like, you know, Born of the womb, like the water of the womb is what that's referring to, so that um, uh, you're talking about um, born of human flesh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So when we are born again, Jesus is saying, we are born of the spirit. We are born from above. And we're made in the likeness and image of God, and God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So uh, we know that uh, man is a spirit being. Man's actually a three-part being. In uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, Paul said, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. So you sp- see that man is a spirit, soul, and body. And uh, interesting, interestingly enough, we benefit from those that have gone before us, so this bothered Brother Hagen for years. He was asking like everybody you could think of, um, you know some of the most well known uh, evangelists that you can uh, think of that you might know like what 's the difference between soul and spirit and they all said, you know i don 't know I always thought it was the same thing, and uh, Dad Hagen was such that if he didn 't know something, he was going to find it out, so that was not good enough for him, so he searched and searched and searched and uh, then begin to see in the Word of God uh, the three part being uh, the triune nature of man, you could call it. 1 Peter 3 4 says, But let it be the hidden man of the heart. And 2 Corinthians 5 seven, 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Uh, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5, um, and then we'll, we'll close this week's portion of the series. Corinthians chapter 4 and 5. One of the keys to staying on in the scriptures and going with God is actually to uh, have your beliefs be in context of the entire Word of God and of the passage of scripture that you're reading because uh, I could uh, take scriptures and more importantly the devil could take scriptures out of context and kind of really make the Word of God say anything that he wants it to say or I could make us say anything that I wanted to say. So we want to make sure that what we're doing is is in context. So I'm going to read a little bit of uh, context here. Let's start with uh, chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we ought not to lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen but that the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 5 verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, Being burdened not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to Him. For we, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God and also trust our well known to your consciences. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have, another, uh, have, have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart." For if we are beside ourselves, it's for God, or if we are sound mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. I love, that's one of my favorite passages of scripture. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf Be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I love that passage of Scripture. And to me, that's one of the best passages of Scripture to look at to try to help um, separate spirit, soul, and body and see like what's the real you, what's the real me. And the reason that we're doing that is because... um, your flesh is not made new when you're born again. If you have a condition in your body that is a sickness or a disease, um, healing is available in redemption. So the instant you're born again, uh, you can be healed. And actually, you can be healed before you're born again. So you can be healed before, during, or after. <laughs> because Christ has redeemed us. Because God is a healing God. And, um, but your appearance doesn't really change. Your physical appearance. People may note a uh, a glimmer of light about you. The Bible actually says that the glory of God many times will show up in a believer's face. And um, you can go, particularly to other countries where it's even darker, and sometimes you'll notice that uh, you can actually pick believers out by... It's uh, difficult to explain. It's not like a flashlight on their face, but you just notice a light about them and about their face. And so... um, Uh, There is that aspect. But generally speaking, like if you had five moles, you still have five moles. (laughs) If you have, you know... if you're overweight, you don't like lose weight. If you're underweight, you don't gain weight. It's not like it's your body, you have to actually keep your body under, Paul says. I keep my body under. I bring it into subjection under the word of God. And then you have to, like we talked about, you have to renew your mind. But when you're created uh, in Christ Jesus, you're born from above. You're a brand new spirit. You become one with God. And uh, Proverbs tells us that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Well, you know, when Proverbs was written, they didn't actually even have glass. There was no such thing as glass. So when you're talking about someone's house or a dwelling or a place that they would go into that sheltered them from exterior elements, um, the only light they really had was like a candle or a lamp or oil burning, something like that. So it wasn't like you can have windows and I can see light coming in from outside into the foyer over there, up there because we've got glass that light penetrates through. Well, the spirit of man is that candle of the Lord that lights all the inner parts. If you look at different translations there, it talks about the deepest, most recesses of who you are. So the spirit of man um, is the candle of the Lord. In other words, the way that the Lord is going to lead us and guide us is through our spirits, not through our minds and not through our bodies. So you say like, well, you know... Uh, should we go on this vacation or should we go uh, on this missions trip or, you know, should we do this or should we do that? Well, it's the easiest thing in the world to start to, like, put it right down your list and put, like, well, here's the pros and here's the cons. And so if there's more pros than cons, then I'm going to do it. And many times your pros and cons list is actually rooted in natural things alone Um, and uh, not the leading of the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God is going to lead us by our spirits. So we want to identify our spirits and become sensitive in our spirits. And that's really where you get the, the witness that we talked about uh, is in your spirit, not in your mind and not in your flesh. And so your flesh will want to do all kind of different things. So like maybe your mind you figured out like, well, uh, you know, I want to go on this trip or do this thing because the reason makes sense. It makes sense to do that. Like That makes sense to what we should do. But your flesh might just want to go on that trip because, um, man, it's a time when you can just really chill out and you like the facility that you're going to be in. It's beautiful, all of this type of stuff. Like, um, you know, there's things that are very pleasurable on your your flesh, right? I mean... Nobody wants to live in, uh, at least I think most people don't want to live in a very a house with garbage and trash all over on the inside of it, and it's not cleaned up, and uh, it doesn't do your, your flesh doesn't even like that, and uh, your flesh might want to, like, be lazy and just throw stuff around, but your flesh doesn't like it, so what I'm trying to say is, like, your flesh has a voice, and your flesh has an opinion, and your flesh likes uh, nice things and your flesh likes, you know, really, uh, have you ever seen somebody that's like very, very wealthy? Or maybe they started out and they had like nothing and then they got something and then they got more and then they got more. So if you ask them or if you ask anybody in the United States of America pretty much, are you rich? Most of the people, even if they make millions of dollars a year, are going to say no. Like they don't think that they're rich. Because, uh, you know, you make more money than people tend to buy bigger houses or more houses or uh, more expensive cars or all this stuff. So really, you can see people that make a lot of money and they, they uh, the amount of money that they have left over is percent-wise no more than what they had left over before. And they can do certain things that uh, those of us that are not at that level can't do. Uh, but uh, you realize... That the voice of your flesh is never gratified, so food maybe is a real good place to go. Like you can, I'm a dessert guy. I love desserts. So, um, and uh, I've put on a little weight as of recently, but I'm still what most people would consider pretty thin. And but I was even way thinner. Like I was um, when I joined the Air Force, I was 100 and. 26 pounds, and the cutoff was 123, so I almost didn't make it. So while all the guys are trying to go to the bathroom and like not drink and not eat when they weigh in, I'm like drinking and eating and trying not to go to the bathroom so that I weigh enough. And uh, uh, so people would always be like, "It must be nice. You can eat anything you want to eat." And I thought, "Well, yeah, I can, but you know, I would notice if I ate too many sweets. I'd like get a little headache or this or that or whatever." And so I had to start, and I did start, thankfully, uh, when I was younger. Uh, If I had to check about it on the inside, I just didn't eat it. And so I wouldn't overeat and overindulge in sweets. It wasn't always that way. When I was a teenager and then first in the military, oh, yeah, I mean, let's just have dessert, not the the regular meal, because I love dessert. Um, But I had to learn to not do that. But my flesh... Wanted to just do it and do it and do it. And of course, with little kids, you, you can see that in a minute. Like, if you give them, like, chocolate-covered cherries, a box, what are they going to do? They're going to, like, eat the whole box if you let them. And um, so your flesh has a voice. And then uh, the voice of reason has a voice. And um, most people are somewhere between flesh and reason and a little bit of the spirit. But what we want to be is we want to, like, learn to put the voice of the spirit first of the human spirit, because our human spirit's in constant fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And then we'll talk as we go through the series about the voice of the Holy Spirit, uh, the inward, you know, you got the inward witness, the inward voice, and the still small voice, and uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit, and then prophecy, and different ways that uh, you can be led, and different ways that the Lord communicates with us. Uh, but I just uh, wanted to lay a little bit of a foundation, and we'll uh, tag back on a little bit more of spirit, soul, and Body next week, because all of these parts of being led by the Spirit really has spend a quite a long series on so i don 't want to spend too long on it, but I want to make sure that we 're looking at it enough that we can uh, get understanding. But for today, just to be conscious of the fact that we are a three part being and our spirit has a voice, and our mind and uh, will and emotions have voice, and our flesh even has a voice and so what we want to do is isolate and come down and focus on the voice of our spirit because our spirit is born again after God and our spirit's in fellowship with God and our spirit is the candle of the Lord. Meaning the Lord's going to speak to our spirits what he's saying. And if we can be in tune with our spirit on the inside, then we'll be in tune with what the Lord is saying. The primary way he leads is by that inward witness, which is, which is in our spirit. You may have a spectacular leading where you actually hear an audible voice from the Lord that may be audible or may not be audible. Those are not guaranteed to every believer. Those are as the Lord wills. You can't actually like go after those. Um, and we'll get, in, we'll get into some of the reasons why as we go through the series. But we can all expect, as sons and daughters of God, to be led by the Spirit of God. And the way He leads is in our spirit. Yeah. And as we uh, uh, heed the voice of our spirits... Um, then we'll uh, be able to ascertain what the Lord's saying to us, what He's prompting us, where He's leading us and guiding us. Uh, Being led by the Spirit of God is one of the most uh, significant things that we can do in life, and it really answers all of the big questions and the little questions so that you can um, uh, get God's best. And I can get God's best, and we can be doing what He wants us to do. And... um, Uh, it's good. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that you made us in your likeness and in your image. And Father, I thank you that we are your sheep and we don't follow strange voices. We don't follow the voice of a stranger, but we follow the voice of you, our shepherd. Father, I thank you that um, your sons and daughters are led by your spirit. Father, that you have um, Recreated us in such a way that we can not have to uh, succumb to the desires of our flesh or succumb to uh, what we can figure out in our heads or what other people might even uh, figure out for us. But, Father, that we can have and do have our own personal relationship with you, that we can follow you, that we can um, learn from you, that uh, you can show us in even the most uh, small areas of our life. What, what's your best, what you want us to do, ways that we can be better um, workers and better family members and better leaders and um, better in each and every area of our lives. Father, we thank you for um, the Holy Spirit that uh, he is our guarantee, our deposit, and, Father, that he will never leave us or forsake us, that we'll always be one with you and one with him, Thank you, Father, for teaching us, for leading us, and for guiding us. We thank you that your word is alive and powerful. We thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. We pray that prayer once again in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of our calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in believers, in the saints. Father, we thank you for giving us that spirit of wisdom and revelation. Father, that you teach us, that you lead us, and that you guide us. Thank you, Father, that we know you and we know your voice and, the, and that you have made uh, it abundantly clear how you lead us and how you guide us, Father. We pray that you'd help each of us to focus our attention on the, the voice of your spirit, Father, on our own spirits, that we could uh, attend to what you say, have everything else be secondary. In Jesus' name, amen.